Hello and welcome to Conversations and Cultural Heritage. This five-episode series from Murbrook School's Mellon Fellowship for Diversity, Inclusion, and Cultural Heritage highlights the background and work of people of color in cultural heritage organizations. We'll talk about different career paths and roles in cultural heritage institutions, sharing a wide range of experiences from people in the field. Visit our website at bit.ly slash chconvos for links and more information. Hello everyone, my name is Yao Chen. I'm the director of the East Asian Collection at the University of Chicago. I'm joined by my two colleagues, uh, fellows from the Andrew W. Mellon uh, Fellowship for Diversity, Inclusion, and Cultural Heritage at RBS, Rare Book School. Hi, I'm Lorena Gotro. I'm the Digital Programs Manager at the University of Houston's U.S. Latino Digital Humanities Center and Recovering the U.S. Hispanic Literary Heritage Program. Hi, I'm Rosa Pena. I am a library assistant at Los Angeles County Library in Maywood, California, and I'm also the current president of La Historia Historical Society in El Monte, California. I'm really happy to have all of us today to have a conversation, and we are interested in exploring the librarian and curator roles in Chicano and Latin American studies and communities. So, for Rosa and Lorena, what excites you about your work? Well, I loved the community aspect of my work. I really enjoy the opportunity to, disco- to discover and explore all the archives that um, really chart the history of my community as Latina. And um, what we really focus on is sharing, discovering, and preserving the written legacy of Latinos in the United States and what Uh, what has become the United States, starting from the colonial period until 1980. And along with that, I'm also uh, excited and I love the the community aspect of of La Historia. It's a community-based archive, so the organization was started by the community. And so I just look to continue and uh, preserve and... um, promote the legacy that they created um, with the work. And also I love doing programs and sharing some of the stories that the people bring to the to the archive. And community engagement has become an increasingly important component even in higher education. So I'm really excited. I'd love to hear more about your experience. So could you share with us what led you to your current career? Oh, well, um, I always wanted to work in the library. So I'm kind of dual. Um, I volunteer at La Historia, so I've been doing that for a few years, and I always liked um, personal histories, so I thought that'd be a an opportunity for me to say, hey, I, can I volunteer? What can I do? And um, um, through the years, I've been able to gain uh, knowledge about different things that happened in the community where I live, things I never realized, and it actually helped to Help me, one of the decisions I was able to make to go to library school. So I'm currently in uh, going to SJSU as a library student. So, and trying to decide how my role will be able to continue. I actually stumbled across this field um, through my literature studies. So I'm actually not a librarian or an archivist. I studied um, American literature and Latino literature and just got really interested in doing archival work and then digital work, digital humanities work. 
And so this kind of just led me to exploring the archives at Recovering the U.S. Hispanic Literary Heritage. It's a mouthful, so we actually just call it recovery for short. Um, but I, I got really intrigued by the archival collections here and um, used them for my dissertation work. And I, I was just kind of lucky that things fell into place and I was able to get a, a a postdoc through the Council on Library Information Resources, or CLEAR. So that was my formal introduction into the library and archives world. And um, it was just kind of a happy accident. And I've been really excited over the past years learning more about archives and digital humanities. And um, I, I would say that this is like my dream job. So I get to do a little bit of, of a lot of different things, the academic, the community outreach, the digital humanities part, mentoring and teaching as well. Yes, lovely, lovely to hear that. Uh, well, similar to Lorena, I used to teach in college for linguistics. And then I realized it's really important, it's more actually more important for students to know how to search for information, how to evaluate and how to apply them. So I went to library school. And after that, I landed my first uh, librarian job. You know, it's more like information seeking and information literacy is more important. But as I grow my career, I realize the value of archival materials. So that's why I'm interested in more. So I'm happy to become a great fellow in this program for the, from RBF. So yeah, those are about our journeys in the field so far. So I'm interested in knowing what project are you working on right now? So we've usually got multiple projects going on at Recovery and USLDH. Uh, so it's kind of hard to pick one, but I work with a lot of students, uh, mainly graduate students, but also some undergrads and sometimes high school students to develop public facing projects. So it's really exciting to work on these archives and create either digital exhibits or digital archives, mapping, et cetera, so that people can actually engage with it. I think this is really important and exciting for me because it it creates opportunities for students not only to learn about the archives firsthand and, and learning about, you know, archiving and, and uh, library information because they get to learn how to digitize and I help them create metadata, but then also they're creating knowledge and they're creating access to other students who are outside of our program. Um, and, and to me, that's important because a lot of this is less left out of the curriculum. So I'm just been actively involved in, in helping to create these projects that other students can use as research tools and um, mentoring these students so that they can learn not only how to, you know, how to write metadata or how to preserve things, but also um, about their history that they were never taught. Like Lorena, I am also, or we are also working on several projects um, at La Historia. We just finished um, the first exhibition that I was part of. I know that the um, organization had did smaller ones in the past, um, but we did one called um, The Fabric of a Community, and it was uh, women in, in fashion in Almani and South Almani, which really, really surprised me how well it came out. And it showed me that we could do this. Um, so um, we're looking to, we have a project that we're trying to finish. It's called the Cuentos Books. They um, wrote stories in the past. So we are going and 
recording people reading the story. So we have an audio version and it has, it has a different texture to it, a different feel when you read it. So some of these stories are being read by grandchildren or children of the people that wrote it because some of them have passed, have passed away. And so that's really exciting for me, reaching out to some of the community that maybe wasn't really active in the archive. So now they're seeing what their ancestors wrote <laughs> firsthand. And the other couple of things that we're working on, um, we're looking to start a military exhibition and call for archives. Uh, so we're reaching out to military veterans of Almani and South Almani. And so that's taking some groundwork, you know, making the connections with people in the local VFW and American Legion and seeing if they're comfortable sharing their stories and their objects and photos with us. The other thing we're working on is women of Almani and South Almani. So we're working to do oral histories of women who come in and share, you know, what it means to be part of this community and um, any of their photos and stuff like that. We just had our maps digitized by the LA Public Library. So we're looking to see how we can present those inside the museum. And we have a few uh, graduate students working from UCLA. And in the past, we've had some from USC. So um, they're doing preservation works with our maps and our photos, our yearbooks. That's just basically trying to build community and trying to exhibit and show what the archive has to the community. So People that brought it in can see their history, but also that their children and outside communities can be involved in and um, see what they've done. That sounds really interesting, a uh, rich array of activities. I wish I could be there to be a part of that. Well, thinking about myself, um, it seems like multitasking is a required skills, right? Every librarian needs to possess. So yes, like a um, multiple projects in here going on, but I particularly interested in you know the the, the uh, particular one I want to talk about is that something called East Asian Information Literacy Video Project. So I'm working with a dozen librarians throughout North America. We create videos to contextualize East Asian information literacy concepts and with East Asian examples. So I. I hear like Lorena talked about the digital humanity and I'm hoping to incorporate that. So I probably will reach out after this episode, right? To see how we can better integrate information. Right? Reach out to Lorena after this episode to see how we can better integrate digital humanity into this video series. And then through just through the uh, authors, and I hear uh, Rosa has been talking about community. Lorena has been talking about students. So. What type of patrons do you serve and who are your audiences and who do you, you know, how do you support them? That's a great question, Yao. Um, I think we have a wide range in our audience. Um, we want to target everyone from um, the community to educators and students of all levels because this is information that belongs to all of the community. You know, um, the majority of our uh, archives are in Spanish, so we do try to create accessibility by producing products or, or projects that are uh, bilingual. It, you know, it makes sense to describe the the artifacts or the archives in the language that they're actually, you know, produced in originally. And so we have like different 
attempts of, of engaging with the community. Um, we have, we're starting to, to have more community outreach events. So through the RBS uh, Mellon Fellowship, for example, we were able to hold a community outreach day. It was a community archiving day where people were able to bring in their archives and donate or have them digitized. And um, actually, recently, we just got a grant from the Society of American Archivists to fund another community archiving day. So we're preparing for that. And then also, we use a lot of social social media to promote our archives and our digital projects so people can engage with them. And uh, my colleagues, Dr. Gabriela Vesaventura and Dr. Carolina Villarruel, who are the co-directors of the U.S. Latino Digital Humanities Center, they've actually created a program with the an elementary school. So they're teaching them how to use the archive to create a digital project and they get to learn how to do that kind of outside research. And um, that way they can supplement the information that they're receiving in school, but also get to learn, you know, like typing skills and working together in a group. Uh, we also are um, unique in that we're part of a press. We're under the umbrella of Arte Publico Press, which is the nation's oldest and largest Latino press. We publish everything from children's books to young adults and adult fiction and nonfiction, and this includes recovered texts. So manuscripts that were never published or texts that have fallen out of publication, we're able to disseminate in this way. So get it out there so the more people can read it. And we're also starting um, to do digital publications through Arte Publico Press Digital so that that is open access. And uh, basically, we try to engage our audiences in all of these different ways through the digital and the print and these outreach events. Well, I'd like to say congratulations, Lorena, on getting the grant. Uh, that's really great that you're able to continue the work in the scale that you're working in. Thank so you. So congratulations. And um, I'm also following her footsteps. Thanks to her example, I'm working on presenting that through Rare Book School to do a scanning day also for La Historia. It's a way for us to continue to reach out to the people that regularly come to the museum, but also uh, gain a wider audience uh, participation to share their history that um, maybe they don't think their history is history <laughs> yet. Uh, so, you know, asking them to bring in their stories, their photos, their objects and talk about them and, you know, things that happened in their past that they're willing to share with us. Um, that's one way that we do that. We also have community events. We um, are actually doing a open house, holiday open house on December 2nd. Um, so that's a way for just people walking by to be able to come into the museum and, and see what we're doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. We just uh, updated our website through the Hue project who was able to assist us. And we're looking to connect with more people that way. So people that maybe don't live in the cities that we're, you know, representing, that they're able to uh, contribute online. So we're trying to figure out how to do different things. Uh, we're also through the Cuentos book, like I talked about before, reaching out to the younger generation, the exhibitions that we're doing. And then we also go out to different um, events in the city. Like if there's a car show, we try to have a table there to talk about the museum. We're working with other organizations also to kind of spread the word about the work we're doing. We just came back from New Orleans from the um, Shift Collective. Before that, we are working with um, different groups like SADA and uh, Texas After Violence to gain, gain mentorship 
to learn how they're doing things. And also from Rare Book School, the fellows that are in there just realizing they have such a wealth of knowledge that they're like basically libraries themselves, uh, resources of information to reach out to. And like you, Yao, I think I will be connecting with Lorena to see how we can work on, you know, doing some publishing or at least, you know, get some insight on how to do it and how to proceed. So from the community, from the ground up, that's basically how we reach people. Collaboration is basically the academic's way of saying, I just want to, you know, hang out and <laughs> and work with my friends. So absolutely <laughs> reach out. We love collaborating with people and building new connections and networking. I'm hearing uh, wonderful examples of experiential learning, right? Giving our users, our audience, some really hands-on experience to learn it, right, in the real world. So I'm uh, interested, I, I believe many of our listeners are interested to know what are the strategies do you have, right, for outreaching? I mean, it is one of the most rewarding work, but yet it's also very difficult. So what strategies do you have? Well, I think one way is, like I said, to go out to the events and meet people where they're at, to kind of just have conversations, like kind of like how we're doing now, to have conversations with people that you think are interesting and asking them, hey, would you be willing to share that with us, with your community, you know, or a part of it, you know what I mean? So I think community outreach is a skill <laughs> that sometimes does not show up on things, um, but that has to be fostered because the community has to trust you in order to work with you. You have to know that the people that you're bringing in to support the community um, have to be supported, supportive and also understand some of the background. So it's, it's um, teaching and learning and also reaching out and continuing to reach out. You know, it's not just a one and done kind of thing. You're not just taking, but you're also trying to figure out how you can give. I think Rosa covered all of the important points that you can't really, you know, establish that trust over one day. You know, it takes lots and lots of conversations and collaborations so that you can really build something that will last. You know, it has to be sustainable trust. And um, it can't be just going in and taking from the community and, and never giving back or never taking their input, you know. So I think that input and those constant conversations are really important. Um, letting them know that if you take a collection and preserve it, that you're not going to become the sole owners, right? That they actually maintain a say over that collection. And I know that that upsets some some structures that want to emphasize kind of a, a colonial ownership that once you donate something, you're hands off and you can't say anything else. That's just a, a thing that I think is part of of kind of decolonizing the archive and recognizing that the producers of knowledge should also have an input in uh, how you describe things and what is made public and what is kind of, you know, like returned to them. Um, Post-custodial archiving has been really important to us because a lot of people want to keep their archives themselves. So I think just, you know, that that outreach has been very important to um, collecting and creating projects and, and developing events that make sense because you also don't want to develop an event that 
nobody is interested in, right? Like you can't do a community event and then it be like super academic ivory tower. Like that's not the point. The point is that this knowledge is, does not belong just to academics, but it belongs to the entire community and everyone should be able to access it. So I'm hearing this partnership, right? We want to develop the trust and building this partnership with our community. So following up on that uh, collaboration concept, Lorena, you, you referenced to. So I am curious to know, are you the, you know, both Rosa and Larissa, are you the only one in your organization currently doing this work? And how do you develop your network, this collaboration opportunity? So I work very closely with, um, as I said, the co-directors of the USLDH Center, um, Dr. Carolina Vierruel and Dr. Gabriela Vazaventura, as well as Micaela Selly, who is our archivist. And um, we also have graduate students. And like I said, sometimes we have undergraduate interns as well. But, um, you know, like the main group that we we have to work together like collaborations don't just happen outside the organization but also within so that you know that emphasis on working together to be able to achieve our goals is really important i have to say that um we are also working on or standing on the shoulders of all the people who came before us because the people who created the archive, the people who were able to gather it, and the people who had those conversations before us really, I mean, this organization has been around for over 30 years. So we recognize that everybody has been working toward this and that it isn't just one person working by themselves. Um, I'd say Carolina, Gabi, and and Mika have done a a huge share of that um, community outreach in developing those um, partnerships and trusts. And um, my colleague Carolina always says, you know, a lot of these conversations happen off the clock. They happen after 5 p.m., but when people are out of work. And and as you said, Rosa, sometimes this doesn't transfer over to your CV. It's not showing up. And so that's the kind of extra step that I think all these people do because this is worth fighting for, you know, like preserving these histories isn't just an academic thing that you add to your CV, but you're actually changing the way in which we understand history and understand ourselves within history. Yes, I would, I would agree completely with Lorena, what she's saying, and just add that, you know, you kind of, you hear things and you're like, hmm, how can I make that work in my organization? I mean, that's how my brain usually works to think, I work at the library, but I know so many people that have these other skills that they don't use at the library. So I'll reach out to them. Like, you know, uh, I have a friend that works with electrical. Hey, we need some help. You know, something went out at the museum. Can you help us? reaching out to um, other fellows. Um, That's actually how we were able to get the maps digitized because one of the fellows, she did digitization and um, she said, let me see what we can do. And so having these conversations, I think not being afraid to ask for things is I think a really big thing because sometimes culturally we don't because you're told don't ask for anything. You know, don't ask, don't ask. And so you have to retrain yourself to say, well, they could say no, but they could say yes, which could be kind of scarier too. Um, because then you have to be ready to like take that information in or that resource. Um, but 
being able to ask and because you're not really asking for yourself, you're asking for, you know, your organization or your community to see how you can move forward and gain more information for the organization, basically. This is super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, like especially Rosa, when you mentioned about the ask people, I feel this is something I'm really lacking. I try to figure out things myself, but I, yes, I, I think I will go to try your approach to see how it works <laughs> out. Thank you. And so far, uh, you know, uh, this word archives have uh, come across many times through our conversations. So for, I'm, you know, public facing in an academic library. So for me, archives largely means the primary source material created at the time of the event by participants and witness of those events. And this is how I actually uh, talk archives with my students. So I would like to know, what does archive mean to you and to your work? Well, archive, I mean, can mean several things to other people. For us, it could even mean a copy of a photo. So it may not be an original or primary source. Um, it'll, a primary in that that's the person's actual photo, but we made copies of it. So it doesn't necessarily mean like firsthand original. Um, so an archive can be a person too. It could be the person telling the story also. For us, so it can mean different things at different times. I think what's important to note is that when you're dealing with the cultural heritage of marginalized communities, many times the written historical record has been erased or destroyed. So for us, many times the archive is a oral history or it is. Um, a personal account or something that seems tangential that might be thrown away by another type of institution. So recognizing the historical significance of those objects, items, stories, etc. is really important. So having people who actually have that background knowledge really shapes the ways in which you can preserve that history. And tell those stories. Thank you, Lorena. Actually, you brought up a related term, cultural heritage. So, Rosa and Lorena, how do you understand cultural heritage? What does it mean to you and to your work? To me, it's my history. So it tells me who I am and who came before me. Um, it's about having a continuous dialogue, um, communing with my ancestors, and realizing how they're still present in my life and how I understand the people around me. And Lorena said it so well, I can't even add to that. I would just say the same. Uh, that's a perfect saying. And can we use that for our <laughs> um, presentations? <laughs> that was really good. Thank you, Lorena. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful. So now let's move gears to some more practical stuff. What are some essential skills for someone needs to be successful in your field? For me, I mean, I think it's, like I said, making connections with people that may know more, um, maybe even technical skills, um, because you have to have a, a web of resources at your fingertips sometimes. Um, and I think also being willing to be a little vulnerable, you know, like going along with that asking and also being able to get your hands dirty and get in there and start doing the work yourself to figure out how it's done and um, being able to train other people or find people that, you know, can 
maybe even take up the work that you're doing too, because if you go away, who's going to continue it if you're the only one doing it? So being able to reach out and be able to let go and take in also other other resources and other people of knowledge. I think being curious is also a great skill because a lot of the times you might not have the skills to do something. And so asking questions and and doing research and figuring stuff out, I think it's been really helpful to me, especially for the digital aspect, Um, just kind of reaching out to well, both of y'all have mentioned other fellows, other people in your network. You don't realize like how big your network is until you um, start asking questions and talking and having these conversations and realizing like, oh, I know someone who knows how to do this, or I know someone I can ask that can maybe point me in the right direction. And um, I'm a voracious reader. So continuously reading and um, educating myself about these historical moments has been really helpful in contextualizing items, creating metadata, creating um, public-facing projects that will engage different audiences, and then, you know, being able to work in collaboration, working in a group, um, you know, I think people always joke that they hated group work in elementary school or high school, but it's actually a really important skill. So maybe you just got stuck with the wrong group members. But uh, <laughs> I think like being able to work together is really important because you can get so much more work done if you're working in a group rather than, you know, like trying to do everything by yourself or trying to be micromanaging. What about you, Yao? I can't agree more. And I feel that you can only achieve so far, right, by yourself, by working with a group. Of course, as you said, you have to work with the right group. You can accomplish more. So talking about that, I personally, I feel project management is quite an important skill to develop because, you know, all sorts of events, programs we are hosting, we're working with people. So that skill, you know, comes really handy when it comes to outreach and all sorts of, uh, when it comes to outreach and every aspect of your work. I, I also want to ask this question. What impact do you hope your work will have? You know, as an academic, I'm taught that we're not supposed to talk about our families. It's supposed to be something we hide, but uh, I'm a mother. And to me, it's really important to think about what I'm leaving behind to my child and to others like him. To think about when I grew up, that uh, my history was not part of the curriculum. I did not grow up learning about Mexican American and Latino communities in the United States and all the, um, the, the significance of their work. And so I, that's something that I wanna change. I want to be able to preserve it and make it available so that other kids like me when I was that age or my son's age um, can Google themselves and find a positive representation of their history and be able to realize the ways in which they are a part of U.S. history. Um, I would say the same thing. I think it's, uh, I hope to leave uh, a better, better, not better, because they did a really good work the people that created the organization, but I think just to move it forward and to continue to tell the story, to be able to, that it doesn't go away because it is a nonprofit. It's, uh, 
self-sustaining. So you got to, you know, bolster it up, you know, look for resources to continue to, at the very least, pay the bills so that the organization can continue, you know, to do the work. And also to kind of, I hope to find and keep uh, good people to continue to do the work after I'm done. I think that's, that's a great impact, you know, and I think that's where we're, we're at right now is just trying to bolster it by having people get excited about the information and saying, I want to help. How can I help? How can we continue to do this work? And we have time for one last question. What advice do you have for students who are interested in pursuing your career in your field? I would say, um, like we were talking before, be curious, like, like Lorena was saying, but also like asking. And if you find something that's interesting, you know, try it out. Even I know it's hard because, you know, everybody, you know, needs to get paid. But sometimes if you do like a temporary like volunteering, which is what I started doing and try it out before you decide, like, this is what my career is going to be. You could say, I really like, you know, history work, but I'm, I don't want to be a history teacher. I want to work where they are, you know, going out to the community and asking people about their stories, or I want to do conservation work, or I want to do the technical side of, you know, recording stories. Um, I would say volunteer or find a way to get a, a job, even if it's part-time, to see what you like about it and reach out to other people, resources, and ask them, find a mentor. Yeah, those are great points, Rosa. Um, I'd also say, think about how this this is about preserving and telling stories. So think about the ways in which you can preserve your own history, your own family stories, you know, asking your family members and your friends for stories and engaging there and thinking about the ways, different ways that you can share that. And then maybe also incorporating that into your schoolwork if you're a student. So, you know, um, using the archives, finding out what archives you have available, whether they're at the university or the public library or doing oral histories with your family or other people in the community and reaching out, uh, learning how to do different or how to use different digital software online. There's plenty of YouTube tutorials now. And um, just making friends that also are interested in this type of work so that maybe you can partner together and create group work or, as Rosa said, volunteer at archives and libraries so that you can help preserve the history as well and gain that training. Yeah, these are really great. Uh, So I just want to add one more thing. I think we need to be prepared to be a lifelong learner and be open to changes. As long as you have those, no matter which field, which career you're pursuing, it's going to lead you someplace. Good. So thank you very much, and uh, we will keep in touch and keep the conversation going. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to the Rare Book School Mellon Fellowship for funding this project. Remember to visit us at bit.ly slash chconvos.